Hey listeners, welcome back to Topics with Tim. Thank you for joining me. This is the first episode of a brand new series I'm calling People Are Interesting, where I just find someone who I think is really interesting and has some interesting stories and things to share, and I bring them on and pick their brain. In this first episode, I bring on my friend Noah, who currently works as a cucumber researcher in Davis. He studied plant breeding and genetics in college. So as you can imagine, we talk about agriculture, farming, why farmers produce certain crops, why they farm the way they do, and whether or not that's really good or bad for society in the long run. We also learn about bees and how they help with the agriculture process. And then we also talk about investing. Noah was able to hit it pretty big on the GameStop craze. So you'll learn about how he managed to do that. And you'll also learn about you know where we think the future of investing is going. So a lot of interesting stuff in this one. I know you'll enjoy it. Hey listeners, welcome back to Topics with Tim. Thank you for joining me. This is kind of the first first edition of a new series that I've kind of wanted to start for a long time and I'm I haven't fully decided on a name yet. So if you have a suggestion out there, let me know. My my two things I'm thinking are either, you know, people are interesting just calling it that or calling it what's your story. And the, and I I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan and he just brings on super interesting people and just picks their brain about stuff. And I have always wanted to do that. And I know I have Gym Junkies, which is kind of me picking the brains of people just specifically about like being active and food and that kind of thing. But I wanted one that was more general and one that if I found someone interesting, just bring them on, just pick their brain, learn about what life is like in their shoes. And so I have someone live in the studio with me right now. Noah, Noah, say hi to the folks out there. And hopefully it may be some of the spike baller people will be listening to this. I'll try to get them uh, to tune in. And also just tell us, like, give us a day in the life of you right now. A day in the life of me. Hello, everyone. I'm Noah Hendricks. First, I want to say you, I'm not a Tim. I'm not, I'm not a gym junkie, Tim. I don't look like I just came back from the gym. Like, why am I getting my own section well, here? It's and actually, I'm not it's actually a compliment. The... It's actually a compliment because okay. I, I feel like we have there are certain people that I I know that we could talk about a lot of you know being active, being in the gym, that kind of stuff. Which we could talk about that too. <laughs> but I feel like you even have like even more. You did There's call even me like more stuff. So I'll, I'll take that compliment and run with it. <laughs> take it as a compliment because I think because I what I feel like we can talk about is like very varied. So I didn't want to necessarily just put us in a box and say, we can only talk about being active, right? I want to talk about other stuff with you too. Awesome. So take it as a compliment. It's, it's yeah. a good thing. Uh, but give us a day, just a day in your life right now. So the listeners kind of get to know you. All right. All right. So a day in the life of Noah, um, as of late, especially during the pandemic, I've just been working a ton at my job as a cucumber researcher. Um, we'll get into the background of that. <laughs> I was like, yes, there uh, it is. Um, but I'm usually at work about seven in the morning. Um, I have a lot of people that report to me. Um, they work in greenhouses, field operations, lots of seed work. We make trial shipments all over the world. So, yeah, that is my okay. job. And after work, I like to play a lot of spike ball. That's how I met Tim. Yep. Tim yep. doesn't play as much spike ball as he used to, unfortunately. I know, I, know I don't. Um, <laughs> I Libby, Libby's like... trying to get me to play in that tournament on Saturday. Oh yeah, which I'm considering. It's a single person sign up. I so... like that we're gonna have 
not just stack teams. Like yeah. I like that it's a little more mixed. For sure, I'm kind of excited because like, who's going to be my partner? And like, I got destroyed in that other tournament we did. Same. I got just wrecked. But it's still fun to play in tournaments and like be competitive. But yeah, if you if if you're just pairing up with someone at your same level when maybe you're not at the top tier, it's too hard. It's too hard. Yeah. I'm, I, might, I'm hoping, I might. We'll see. We'll see. I'm thinking you, about it. Or isn't it? Is it closed off yet to get in? I don't think so. I think you said you need to sign up though if you're going to sign up. All right, I'll have to make a decision here by the end of the day. Yeah. It also asks your level when you sign up. I'm kind of worried since I put advanced. I'm, I'm wishing Ooh. I would have put intermediate. I'm going to put I, intermediate for yeah. sure. Maybe even beginner too, just to give, <laughs> give myself better odds of getting like landing a top guy. Yeah. Get Caleb or get Jack. Yeah, or get I have somebody. no idea how they're going to pick, but. I'm sure Trevor's got something in mind. Okay, so you come home. Sometimes you play spike ball. What yeah. do, do you do? You spend a little bit time at night binging some Netflix. I'm big into the YouTube train Dude, right now. Facts. Me too. I like. Uh, did I hear you talking about the dozen, the bar stool, or maybe I was so telling you? Were, you you about were telling it. me about it. You were I was about telling it. you about it. So that comes on like Tuesdays and Thursdays. They post them, and mm. it's like sports. It's not all sports trivia. It's a trivia show. It's a lot of sports trivia, and then they do some other other topics as well. They're known for their celebrity mashups, where they take like the faces of two celebrities and combine them in like just one of those apps, you know? And I then, should show you the photo. I did a photo where I did the on Snap where I combined my face with Tom Brady's, and it's just the fugliest looking thing ever. But but continue. <laughs> Big Tom Brady guy over yes, here. Yes, please. Um, <laughs> you know, I you know couldn't get through a. About every twenty minutes, he's gonna get mentioned, just so you know, because he's you know he's on, yeah, always yeah, on yeah. my mind. I'll just throw in some Aaron <laughs> Rodgers while while we're talking quarterbacks. That's my guy. Um, but I was talking about the dozen. There's been like ninety five episodes. They started probably somewhere around the beginning of pandemic, maybe March. And I've 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 seen every single one. <laughs> I watch every all of them. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, I think I really enjoy YouTube as well. I feel like. There's honestly like so much great content, you know, and there's a, specifically this one channel that's on right now, Next Level Health. You know, yeah. you might have heard of it, but I've you know, heard of it, for it's, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, YouTube, yeah, I pretty much, I watch YouTube every day, at least like a couple videos. Pretty much more on the educational side, you know, from Athlete X, I love list, like watching his videos, or I have a couple other guys that are more kind of weightlifting focused yeah. that, I, that I follow, and they always got good good content, so I'm enjoying it. It's easy to just go on a deep dive on any topic mm. on YouTube and you can learn about so much these days. I know. I was just having a conversation with, uh, I was, I was talking with Roy last week, uh, for those of you who listen in on that pod and we kind of debated on, you know, I feel like people make a lot of excuses for, you know, maybe why they aren't moving up in the world, so to speak. And I'm like, man, there's so many, you can just go on YouTube and learn whatever you want to learn. It is like seriously crazy. for free. If you got a library and a library card, you can go to the library, you can use their computer and you can watch YouTube and just learn. What do you want to learn? You want to yeah. learn how to play guitar? You want to learn how to sing? You want to learn how to change? Like, I was recently looking up, I was trying to learn how to use uh, the, what is that, like, Quick Cooker, what's it called? Instapot? The Instapot. Just multiple channels with thousands of subscribers, <laughs> like, just on, how to, of just on how to use your dang Instapot. Yeah. I'm like, my God, like, there's literally nothing on there that isn't available for you to learn. It's yeah. just insane. So, YouTube, you should pay me for this advertisement right now. <laughs> I don't know where you're going next with your topics, but this could be a good segue into the finance and just like Oh yeah, you want to start with that? Yeah, well, I didn't really want to start with it, but just <laughs> you know like talking about YouTube's kind of where I've got a lot of the information. I guess like you were talking about how much mm. information's available. Oh yeah. I just feel like on like YouTube or Reddit, 
you can just find all this information that maybe 10 years ago you could never find oh, before. And you have to just... go to a library. You have to Well, even then, like to... a library doesn't have up-to-date, mm. like day daily information, like just information on stocks or whatever other mm. finance, Bitcoin, you know, whatever you're looking to learn about. It doesn't update on a daily basis like the Internet does nowadays. True, true. So I feel like the gap between all the elites and all the regular people is kind of closing from an information Yes, we have access to pretty much like, all the same information exactly, that any exactly. elite, uh, super wealthy person would have. Exactly, yeah. And that's kind of how this whole GameStop thing happened. Is like people realized that there's all these hedge funds shorting the stock, and people rallied together on the internet and were like, "No, we're just all going to buy this stock and screw over these hedge funds." So I heard and as it well that there were a lot of hedge funds involved in the shorting as well. No, the hedge funds were shorting. Well, no, I, I heard that but, there, that. but yeah, it is possible that like, some of well, the hedge funds gained in, gained in with the retail investors. Like I think that's what happened. Because there was an article I was reading where they were talking about how the narrative is that like the little guy, you know, punch, you know, yeah. punch the big guy, like haha, like you know, we. But the the article was trying to make the argument that a lot of big guys actually were still involved with that process. Like maybe using and, the retail yeah. lower level investors as their front a little bit. Kind of, yeah. Like they almost kind of went under the radar. So I always thought that it was just an interesting another side. You know, maybe, I think it still is a big chunk of it is just regular people Yeah, I think Reddit, at least that's know? where it started. But yeah. sure, if a hedge fund jumped in a little bit later on the train and was like, this is going to work, I, I don't see why they, why they wouldn't jump in you know yeah i feel like a lot of people jumped in too i jumped in and i lost money yeah <laughs> i jumped in too late man yeah was that bad. was kind of the trick like i don't know definitely some people got taken advantage of just from yeah. ignorance i don't but i don't i'm not mad at anybody because i you know i knew the risks yeah so you have to know whatever you put in you could lose especially in a stock like GameStop. but my personal story yeah, the, the stock itself is, is is the company itself is terrible yeah like all the reports awful. i listened to uh so listen to the Motley Fool sure. podcasts. I'm kind of getting into them. I might subscribe to them. I'm okay. inching towards that direction. But they, yeah, I just re- listened to one the other day, and they're talking about GameStop. It's a terrible company. Like they're they're trying to change some things. They're trying to, yeah. you know, they hired I think a new CEO or some new made some movements there. They're trying to go more online, but they're terrible. But yet the stock is still <laughs> pretty high. Yeah. I've heard some of the same stuff. They're moving to more of like an online based model instead of all the shops and malls but who isn't trying to do that these days i don't True. know how it's yeah. different than anybody else that's so, a good point it's just yeah their numbers don't look good from what i hear no it's just a i can't even explain where does the money go that people put into stocks like i, I don't understand that it's like is it's gamestop have a bunch of money now that their so stock is high was, like so i was saying the same thing if i was you know a ceo and i had stock in the company and then it went up that high. I would have sold my shares. Exactly. And I, th- I feel like some of them did. And there's some, like, I heard about you can, like, issue stock as well. So, like, would they issue more stock when the price is high? Like, I just, some of that I don't understand. Mm. It's very, yeah, it's very but, complex. That's why people devote their lives studying yeah. this stuff. It's crazy. I'm not a CEO. Did you ever watch the movie The Big Short? Yeah. I found that movie so, so interesting. That how is they're a good explaining. Movie. The, they're kind of you know what is it they kind of metaphored it with with gambling and they would say like yeah. okay there's gamble going on and then that person's betting on like that gamble and then that person's betting on the person mm-hmm. and i was just like 
we do this. We've created these ways to bet about people betting. Yeah, it's what is crazy? <laughs> oh, I'm trying man. to remember like the grade of the home loans. They were like, like triple A, oh double A loans. Like so terrible. Gosh, uh, it was like just they just got specific enough where it was like, oh, this is cool. This is making me feel smart by understanding this. But but you know, not too deep where it's like, what is going on here? Yeah, they really they did a good yeah. job of simplifying it for the average Joe yeah. to kind of understand a little bit. I like but that movie. That was a good movie. That for was sure. a solid movie. So you let's let's we'll stick we'll stick with the investing angle here. So you you got in at GameStop at the right time. How much did you make off GameStop? So or if you feel comfortable sharing that, I feel comfortable. I, I just have to think about the numbers. Um, I think I bought ten shares for seventeen dollars a share. Wow, and that was That's just so wild. Yeah, why why'd you do that? Complete luck. I was just scrolling through Wall Street bets, you know. That's all it was. Well, let's take it a step further. How did you hear about Wall Street bets? What, I think I'm just on Reddit. I've always been on Reddit. Okay, so I just kind of happened. I stumbled that you, that's across it about less than a year ago, but I don't remember a certain instance where I was like, "Oh, I found Wall Street bets." Probably just browsing Reddit. Wall Street bets posts makes make it to the front page every so often it's a pretty popular page so do you know the front page of reddit how it works at all it's kind of i've I've never really been a reddit person it's kind of except for when i wanted to illegally stream things (laughs) (laughs) i can relate to that as well Um, sports mainly i'm sure you're saying (laughs) oh yeah i don't i cut the cord and stream everything these days i hope okay so your internet provider's not listening but (laughs) you're perusing on reddit yeah you can go to like the top top posts and it's like all the pages like just the top posts from any page so like so like there could be a post from a sports reddit page and sports from wall street bets page or any page that has a really popular post Hmm. so then maybe i was just scrolling and i saw wall street bets and clicked on it stayed there okay and then you're thinking oh okay they got some some people yeah but i was kind of just the the it's totally changed since the whole GameStop ordeal because everyone knows about Wall Street bets now. Yeah. And it's all like, let's pump this next stock. But it kind of used to be like people were just trying to go on there and like give whatever advice they had. Hmm. It wasn't always good advice, but I spent some time reading it. You know, maybe I'd read what they had to say and then do some research research for myself to see if what I found aligned aligned with what they were saying. And... I don't remember the certain instance when I decided to buy GameStop, but I bought my ten shares for seventeen dollars, and then was now did you buy it because someone was telling you, hey, this is a good company to buy into, or or did did somebody say, hey, look, we're gonna we're gonna freaking well, blow the stock up, get in now, like what? Or a combination? Yeah, of I guess I, it's hard to say that it would be that I thought GameStop was gonna turn into some successful company. But the stock was so low, whereas like the entry was easy. Like mm-hmm. I spent. It's not normal for. I mean, it is normal for a stock to be seventeen dollars, but that was that's pretty low. That's, yeah, it's very low. Um, well, there's there's a good there's, amount of there's stocks lots that are, of lower stocks, yeah. but for a big name like GameStop, seems kind of low, I guess. It's fair. It's fair to say, yeah, because um, they've been around a long time. Yeah. I don't. I wouldn't say I have a good reason. Uh, besides complete luck, <laughs> okay. I was just kind of thinking like, oh, I'll throw a hundred seventy dollars at this. Maybe it doubles. Okay, so that was your yeah. Your maybe like it's cheap, it's low. I I I wouldn't say I had some crazy expert 
take on GameStop that I predicted what was going to happen. It was complete luck. <laughs> hey, you know, sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. In this case, certainly. <laughs> All right, so you buy your um, shares. I bought my shares for 10 shares for $17. I think I've said that a few times already, which is 170 bucks. And then I think I sold for 375 each. Man. So that's almost $3,500. Nice. And I rolled that right into the Bitcoin. That's what I'm... I'm I still feel too scared to, but I, I feel like that's the future. Yeah. I have, uh, I think, almost a fifth of a Bitcoin. <laughs> that's so crazy. Because <laughs> what's it at now? 30,000 or something? or is that... It's at 58,000. Oh, my God. 57,000. I think <laughs> it went up 5% today. Um, the all-time high is like just over 60,000, I think. That was like three weeks ago. Wait, I thought you said it went up to 70. No. No, okay. I think it maybe it went to 60, not more than 65, I don't think, but I'd have to double check. I know a lot of companies are starting to accept Bitcoin or starting to put, I know Tesla, for example, put a bunch of their money into Bitcoin and then their stock dropped a bunch because people are kind of freaking out about that. Yeah. But I think more and more companies are just going to keep following suit. I don't I don't know if you're familiar with Michael Saylor from MicroStrategy. I'm not. But he's worth a YouTube deep dive. And Let me write that down. Man, what was it again? Michael, Michael Saylor. Michael Saylor. Uh, he's the CEO of MicroStrategy, which is a publicly traded company. Okay. Um, basically, they are just like taking on loans, like taking people's money at some interest rate, but they're just buying Bitcoin with like other companies' money. <laughs> They've bought man. like over a billion dollars worth of Bitcoin. It's crazy, but this well, it dude, sounds like it's kind of safe because there's a lot of big names that are probably going to hold because they they're not going to be freaking out about volatility too much. Yeah, I mean, would you rather have something volatile that increases in value, or would you rather have something stable that decreases in value? Well, I think that's that's the, that's the line that every investor is is juggling: is how much risk do I want, and then how much volatility does it? How, yeah. many, how many times do I have to see my stock go up and down? on a daily basis or do I just buy it and forget about it and yeah <laughs> check it in five years you know I, I feel like I've started to I tried day trading I tried some other investment stuff I tried to do the GameStop and AMC yeah. and Blackberry and I, I came to the point where I realized I'm just going to be an investor I'm going to be someone who's going to buy good companies I'm yeah. going to hold them for years and I'm just going to I even bought into some dividend stocks too that like the highest dividend yield nice. stocks I could so I know I'm getting a monthly income from that. Yeah, I think the best and, way to do it is just every time you get a paycheck, throw X percent at your investments. Just yeah. do it the same. No matter if they're up or down, just keep buying in. Yeah, I agree with that. And then diamond hands. Unless you hit, <laughs> unless you hit on something like GameStop, which I had to get rid of. Got to sell that when it skyrockets It's like just got to be anxiety constantly. Oh, it was a fun couple of days, though, gonna... where it was like, should I... Like I held out twice because it was like two days where it was it went straight up and I was like I'm holding, I'm holding. Like <laughs> I could have sold it. I, like, I did peruse the Reddit page and people were just like, yeah, we're taking this to the moon. Yeah, blah blah blah. And I'm like, oh god. But I, I like called my parents and was like, hey, I have this stock that I bought for X amount and it's X amount now. Maybe it was like two twenty 
like a day before it went to 375 and my mom was like you need to sell it right now <laughs> good old mom i was like i'm gonna hold on one more day i was glad i did because it went up another third nice but, well the good thing you got you got out you made money you were one of i can the tell you one probably... more thing about the time i sold it because the reason i sold was when robin hood like yeah that was honestly i should have yeah. i feel dumb that i didn't look at that as like sort of the writing was on the wall once at that point. i woke up at like 7 30 one morning checked the stocks like i usually do after i roll out of bed and they had stopped people from buying on robin hood so if people can't buy on robin hood that was just an immediate like i'm selling i sold at that second Smart man. I literally bought in at the worst possible time. I bought in the day before. The day before <laughs> Robinhood blocked everyone from freaking buying the stock. And it, it sort of never recovered from that. That yeah. was kind of the blow that took it down. Yeah. And I just, I had worst possible timing. There's so I many people have. out there like you that just don't like Robinhood now. They're upset with Robinhood. So lame. So lame. I, I would never use Robin. I, I will. That's the reason I didn't use Robin in the first place because I have some friends that do, and I used it for a time. But I, you know, I was aware that their their transactions don't really go through right away. They take time. Sure. And so I was like, well, what if I need to get in and out of something really fast? I, I, that that's yeah. gonna gonna be, you know, I'd rather go with, you know, I was, that's why I went with Fidelity because I wanted something I knew instantaneously. I was in or out. I didn't have to wait this waiting period that Robin had offered. So I was never into them in the first place because of that. And now I would I would never touch them. Yeah. After what they pulled. Yeah. I do have Robinhood and I use Robinhood mostly because I bought a bunch of stocks in May and I don't want to sell them until this May when I will have to only pay like 15% tax rate rather than the uh, full ca- capital gains tax. That's, a, that's, that's a knowledge base I don't have yet that I feel like I need to know. As you far just as... need to try and hold things for over a year. And then it is just a regular, instead of regular income tax, it will be capital gains tax, which is closer to 15% or less based on your income. But if you sell before a year, you'd pay regular income tax. So it's like 30%, just like what you would pay on your paycheck. Dang. Okay. That's good to know. I guess guess I'm holding then (laughs) because that's a significant tax bump. It's even only going to get worse. I, I also need to, I feel like I need to get a 401k. Because right now I don't have a 401k. It's just a regular brokerage. Yeah, I'd recommend. Well, I don't think you can do a 401k unless it's through your work. But you oh, could do an IRA. Oh, that's, yeah, that's what the Roth. That's Roth what it is. IRA the is Roth what IRA. I would recommend. If anything you put in is like, you put in after tax. So like you would just take put in money from your bank account and then... When it comes out, I think, I don't know the exact age, maybe 62 yeah. or 57, somewhere around there, is all tax-free when you pull it out versus non-Roth where you have to pay taxes at the end. When but but it's it only, you're only account. paying on what you're making at that time, correct? So if I was retired, not making much income, and I pulled it out, I'd only get taxed on the income rate that I, that I am at that time. So that's what I... Yeah, I think that's right. Believe. I think that sounds right. So I gotta make sure I don't have a job the year that I pull everything out. <laughs> don't get taxed on it. For the most part, from my YouTube research, I've heard that Roth is the way to go, especially for young people. Yeah, I know. I gotta. All the, I gotta do that. 
reasons behind it I, I couldn't explain off the top of my head. But I did listen to a podcast recently where this guy, and he was really funny because he was very, very animated, very, very like anti-government kind of guy. Sure. But he was he was talking about the importance of the Roth, and he said that the reason the Roth works and the reason why the government won't adjust the Roth is because something about, I don't know the intricacies of how it works, but something about when it comes to a Roth, uh, the government gets more money up front for that. Whereas long term they get nothing, right? Because you don't pay taxes. But there's something where they there's something well, about being in a Roth early the, on. The Roth is like you pay taxes on your income and then you put it in the Roth after taxes from your paycheck. So the government mm-hmm. is getting the money, like regular taxes from your paycheck. So let's say I make fifteen hundred dollars in a paycheck. I'm contributing ten percent. To my Roth 401k, so that'd be 150 bucks. That 150 bucks would come after taxes, so I would have paid taxes on that 150 already. Versus a regular 401k is where you just pay; it just goes straight into the 401k, and you don't pay tax. But then mm. you owe the taxes at the end when you pull it out. Mm. When the Roth, you already paid your taxes up front. That must be what. That must be. Thank you for bringing that bringing that up because that's I think that's what he's talking about. And so he, he said the reason why the Roth is probably not going to change is because government officials are usually always trying to just manage the short term. Yeah, they probably want the money to, now. Exactly, yeah. and they long term. That's why he he kept like criticizing, saying like they're basically the worst financial people ever because long term they're losing a bunch of money, but in the short term, and it makes sense too because if, if I know I'm only going to be in term for four years, and I need to shore up some budget deficits. Then I want that money up front so I can kind of look good for my people and yeah, hey, look, wonder, I, we you know we helped I, with the budget. Whereas, but but really, it's terrible financial planning because long term you're getting screwed out of like a bunch of money. And yeah. So that's why he said like the, the Roth is pretty safe as far as the government's not going to just suddenly be like, oh, we're going to tax it now, because again, they're going to want that money up front instead. Yeah, I wonder if that was the logic when they created the Roth. Like we need we need this tax money now instead of everyone deferring all of their tax money. Mm, but that yeah, I don't I wouldn't know. be surprised at all if that was. But people don't vote like far out in the future like that either. People vote yeah. for their fourteen hundred dollar stimulus next week. Yep, that's what people yep. want. That's very true. It's it's uh, <laughs> I, I know exactly. It's it's a it's a tough line sometimes because you because even though I, I mean I'm gonna take my stimulus checks or whatever because why not? Yeah. But if I was voting, I would vote probably vote against them to be honest. But. I mean, if they're just going to we'll give them to me, and I didn't have Bitcoin. any say, I might, as well just, I'm not, I might as well just take it and just invest it. Yeah. <laughs> so, man, okay. Well, what else? Give me, drop some other financial. What else What, what else should I, should I need to know as an investor? Man, I would just, the simple thing is just to invest in things you use. That's what I like to do. Hmm. Smart. Or like smart. things you're like, knowledgeable so if you, on. So if you had Starbucks every day, yeah, invest in Starbucks. Yeah. Right? Apple's always a good one to buy. You can never go wrong with those big tech companies either. Except for recently, but um, they'll recover, I'm sure. One thing I feel like I have an advantage in is, like, biotechnology. And, like, I really like investing in a lot of the CRISPR stocks. Um, do you CRISPR. know what CRISPR I've is? I've heard that name used before. That is gene editing. Yeah, You know, I, I just listened to a podcast recently about that. Yeah. So, right now, it's not really accepted by many people. It's basically what makes a GMO is CRISPR. Hmm. But hmm. Yeah. I think in the next fifty years, people are gonna accept the technology because the advantages are just going to be way too high. 
Like they're mm-hmm. just curing diseases that are like I don't have examples yeah. off the top of my head, but just like genetic diseases that people are born with, they're just going to be able to cure by editing your genome. And like yeah. it is like at like, this point like we're, when like they we're in don't a Black Mirror episode. Do you ever watch Black Mirror? Yeah, I have watched Black Mirror. <laughs> but Black Mirror's always bad things. That's like, there's gotta be there's be... gotta be a cost. We'll see. I feel like there's gonna be a cost to it. It definitely has to be highly regulated, but also you're they're not gonna just like not use the technology because some mm-hmm. people have morals against it. if like you could save someone's life. Yeah. So like it's inevitable in my opinion at some point. Um I, I believe you I, I I agree and I agree I think it will get accepted over time I still I still feel like with, with everything I feel like I'm the person that if it seems too good too good to be true it probably is and there's always a cost somewhere and so I feel like it sounds great and I'm sure it'll get used in whatever but I feel like there's a cost I don't know what that cost is and what it will be but there I think there is a cost that will come eventually like every like any technology there's I mean that, sure. that's why I like black mirror I think because they it's very interesting because you see something that you think is really positive, but then they show like the other side to it. Like, here's what it will cost people. Yeah. And you're like, dang, okay. And maybe it's still worth it. Maybe it's still worth it, even with the downsides. But that is, it's a very fascinating subject because I know the people that I follow, and specifically talking about GMO foods, mm-hmm. are, are very against GMO foods, the, the sure. people that I, I follow. So I, but For I don't, what I don't reason, know how. Usually, though. Just, I have to, I honestly don't have good mm-hmm. good answers for you right now, but. That it, uh, yeah, I don't really have any good answers for you right now, honestly. So I'd have to dig into it a little bit more. My counter debate to the GMO topic, I'm from a biotechnology background, so I'm all for GMOs. I don't think there's anything wrong with GMOs. Um, there's nothing in science that shows there's anything wrong with GMOs. Um, mm-hmm. but I mean, I would push back a little bit on that. I, th- I mean, I think it, sa- it sounds like many scientists are probably fine with it as far as the again the people that i follow and i don't know you know again i haven't dug into it a ton but i know that they have some scientific backgrounds and different people they follow they have said it's not great so i don't, I don't think it's necessarily universal all science agrees or all scientists agree i think there's a lot of disagreement among scientists but it sounds as though the majority of scientists are for gmos even if there are a few select that are not that's just a speculation i don't really know that for sure but um, there's definitely interesting large portions of the general public that aren't in favor of GMOs, but I think it's also the way it's been, like, portrayed by the media as well. Like, Monsanto and GMOs, they've just been all put under this cloud where it's, like, bad. You know, Mm. when people... Do people really know what a GMO is? Like, for example, in corn, they genetically modified... They changed one small piece of the DNA so that they could spray a chemical... That kills all plants. But the corn has a small manipulation, its DNA, to survive this herbicide. So instead of spraying five herbicides to kill the five different types of weeds you have in your field, you can just spray this one that kills all plants except for the gene that's in the corn. So the corn survives. All the other plants die just from this one pesticide herbicide application instead of five that you have to do without the gmo you know Mm -hmm. that's just one example of how it makes things more efficient 
and can also often result in like less inputs and less chemicals involved in the process. If that makes sense to you. That makes sense. I could see that being yeah, depending on what, so, what depending on the, what chemicals is someone using to try to make a natural growth that work. That would be Roundup Ready corn. So you just spray Roundup on your corn. All the weeds die, the corn survives. It's very interesting. I, I think I'm definitely going to have to dig into it some more and figure out why the people I follow have those opinions. I tend to feel like... It's okay to have the yeah. opinion, but you should just have Yeah, reasoning. I said, I, and I admit that I'm, I'm not That's educated fine. highly on this topic. Um, but I do, I do tend to notice that the more we venture away from the natural processes for things, that they're, like, things can go wrong. And yeah. so, again, it's one of those things where it sounds great, and I think there are applications where it can be used, and I'm fine with it. But there, I think there is going to be a cost. Sure. Do I know what that is exactly yet? I and don't. Sometimes we'll, we'll, but, you know, what we'll is never it? know the cost. But because I did hear. Okay, so here's. Okay, I just had a brain cell connected. So one of the arguments I remember hearing about GMOs against it was that they theorized. So this isn't like a fact or that this is set in stone. But the, some people theorized that the reason why our bee populations are dying off which is concerning because bees are very important to grow our Super plants important. and it's yeah. very, very important there there is a talk that there's a theory that gmos are the cause of bee die-offs because it's genetically altering the bees as well based on the genetic alterations of the different the plants pollen. so that was one thing again it's just a theory so i can't it's not proven yeah. but just i guess that's the one thing i remember that they were talking about potentially that's all yeah. i really have for you as far as gmos no, I don't have anything to counter that argument. I think that it's something they should look into. If we we don't want our bees to die, that's for sure. That yeah, um, for real. But I yeah. just think some people are so stuck on their idea that GMOs are bad. I just think look at the pros and cons. Hmm. Yeah, it's not it's maybe it's not a, it's maybe, not a black and white issue, right? Yeah, maybe, maybe there are, there there are applications a, for yeah, both. Maybe, you know? Exactly. Maybe there's a situation where a GMO is worth using, and another situation where it's not worth using. Hmm. That makes a lot of sense. You can look at the. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think about like regenerative agriculture? That's that's the word I, I hear a lot when I'm, when I'm reading. Like I'm not sure what you mean by regenerative. <sighs> Regenerate. So they're talking about there's ways to farm in which. And I don't know if it's you like crop rotations mm -hmm. or different ways to sort of regenerate and keep the soil. Because I, and you, maybe you probably have more specific knowledge on this, but if you just take one crop and grow it over and over and over again a bunch of times in one plot of land, eventually it, it like starves the soil sure, yeah. of nutrients. And then the, you, then the soil becomes, you can't even use it for anything at that point. And so you have to, you have to like rotate crops because yeah. then it sort of allows replenishment of different vitamins and different things in the soil. So that the soil itself doesn't just yeah you're a hundred percent correct. Crop rotation is a big big part of farming in general. Um, yeah, you plant crops like legumes to regenerate your nitrogen. In like, it's more common in the Midwest to do like rotate corn and soybeans. Soybeans is mm -hmm. a legume; it produces nitrogen and leaves nitrogen behind in the soil. So therefore, you have to use less fertilizer when you're planting your corn the next season but do you think that's the reason why because i know i like soy is in like yeah. almost everything and again i from the people that i follow they're kind of against 
like especially like I think soybean oil is one that I hear talked about as sort of a can be a harmful oil mm-hmm. o- over time to like the human body or, or different things like that. And I'm wondering if maybe maybe that's is that why there is so much soybean oil available and it is so it is used because as a farmer you almost have to plant this crop because it helps and so you're just having excess of soy and so what are you going to do with it you got to make something out of it right so you sell it and brand it and i'm not trying to get it i know the u.s exports a ton of soy to china um but i'm not sure if if they would would not grow it if there wasn't such demand um because I know that the government can, too like subsidizes certain crops, which yeah. make them more yeah, likely there's a to lot be grown. Of, a lot of economics that go into things like that too. It's yeah. like, okay, if the cost of soy is really cheap, maybe it's less expensive for me to just not plant soy and just fertilize and grow corn every year. Hmm. You know, but like fertilizer has its cost too, so. If you're making enough money from the soy, you plant the soy to generate the nitrogen, then you don't have to spend as much money on fertilizer. So it is like the farmer's trying to do what's best for his soil, but he's also yeah. trying to do what's best for his pocket too. Like yeah. if he can just spend more money and buy more fertilizer and that's the most cost-effective thing to do for him, he's going to do it. Yeah. And I think that's where I have some disagreements with necessarily where some of those – government subsidies go sort of like because then you you then you make it more i do i believe people operate like a lot like a lot of times operate like off of incentives like i think the human nature we're very like incentives work in both good and bad ways for us yeah and i think that if you subsidize certain crops well it's going to be more lucrative now for the farmer and they're going to grow it now whether or not that crop is a good crop to grow that's debatable but obviously by subsidizing it's going to make it more farmers are going to do it because, me, because they got to they got to make a living too, and yeah. I don't blame them. You know, what I mean, I wouldn't necessarily. If I was in their situation. I'm not saying I would do any different. You know, I might do end up doing the same thing, but it like begs the question of like what 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 plants are the government subsidizing, and which ones should they subsidize versus? You know, I don't I have know an the example politics behind that. of a crop that is heavily subsidized in the U.S. It is sugar beets. Um, the mm. U.S. does not actually import sugar. So in the U.S. we pay a high premium for sugar like in comparison to many other countries because we're producing our sugar from the sugar beets that are like entirely like by blocking the import of sugar to the U.S. it like creates this whole sugar beet economic system like we would just import our sugar for really cheap and it would be much less at the store but instead we're growing sugar beets and farmers are like supported by this block in the imports. I don't know if it's do you entirely blocked. Do you know why it's why that why that's It's why just it's so they can way. they want to maintain that industry and maintain the farmers jobs in the United mm. States like Oh, so if they if they allowed sugar to be imported, they wouldn't grow sugar beets anymore. Farmers wouldn't grow sugar beets and then they would lose I guess lose they their could, jobs in a way or lose think, like they wouldn't have enough to grow or or other crops, I'm, maybe not as lucrative. I think it's in an area where maybe you can't grow as much. Like sugar beets are popular because they're one of the only things you can grow. I think it's in like northern Minnesota. And hmm. if they got rid of sugar beets, it's possible that they wouldn't be able to grow anything else. Because so that's the only. That's literally the only. Uh, thing I'm that not can grow entirely sure about that, but hmm. 
So there's an, there's an element of, of certain areas that's the only thing you can grow. And so then it, obviously you're incentivized, hey, if we can grow this and then we can profit off it, then yeah. we're going to do it. Cause I think it might be grow. more of just the government knowing that if they got rid of the block on sugar imports, they wouldn't have sugar beet farming anymore. Like it's more of like a legacy thing and more of like upholding oh, the past. Interesting. I guess more than it is like, I don't know. Like, that's interesting. That's it's so fascinating. Cause I, I'd have to part look me, at part it me some says, more like, myself. Part but... of me being someone who studies nutrition and knows obviously our Western diet is so full of sugar. And that's why we're like one of the most obese nations that roams the planet. I'm like, why would we, why would you subsidize that? Like, I, I would want my farmers to be producing other other stuff, if but it's possible. An, it's an interesting scenario. Like, if they didn't block the import, sugar prices would actually be cheaper. Because mm. they'd be importing cheaper sugar sources from Central America. Or... So maybe nothing would change is what you're saying. It would still be, sugar would still would be probably cheaper. We'd probably be sugar. more obese. <laughs> Gosh. But then I wonder, too, like, what, the, what those other farmers, maybe those other farmers start producing something else and then maybe we have a surplus of that it's very i feel like there's so many there's so many revolving dynamics with that where there's obviously like the soil itself what crops can grow there there's then obviously like what the government wants to help push through yeah. and then yeah it's a, a it's lot very, I feel like there's some, definitely some politics involved in, yeah with the trade deals and stuff the, like that the growth of certain certain stuff what, what would you do let's say you, you're, you're in control you're a government man you're in, you're in the office and you you're looking at some crops and you're like, all right, I could I can subsidize like two or three crops here, or I can remove subsidies from others. What, what would you subsidize? What would you that's try to? That's interesting. I mean, from a top down perspective like that, it's hard to just. I mean, I'd subsidize cucumbers. I think. Cause, <laughs> I was gonna say because we need some money flowing into the 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 seeds. You know, the more the farmers are making, the more they'll pay us for the seeds. But <laughs> has a direct benefit to you that yeah. it sounds like if the cucumber yep, I'm biased unfortunately <laughs> but I don't know it's hard to just hand select some crops I think there's a lot of dynamics going on there with like climate change and you know just microclimates in general like some places might have a really bad year in terms of like growing their crop maybe they need to be subsidized but I don't know if they look at it on a small season level like that i think farmers have like crop insurance for that kind of problem like if mm. they have a if their whole crop dies they usually have some kind of insurance where it pays them out makes sense just because yeah you can't i mean yeah it's like it's like it's like anything right we have insurance yeah. on my house because my house could randomly catch fire yeah. i mean it could happen and you want to be prepared as a farmer i mean yeah something some weird yeah. thing could happen and all your crops die and you're like well that sucks but, but i'm not totally screwed i think most of the time their government's making subsidies it's basically so the market exists it's like if we didn't subsidize this the farmers would make no money on this crop and we wouldn't have it in the united states hmm. you know like sometimes Which i don't see it as a bad thing because i feel like well then they'll just make other stuff True. Depe depending on obviously what we talked about with, but if they're in just, an area where that's all they can grow, can then just, obviously that sucks for it that. It can farmer. also just throw off the whole supply chain. Like, what if X company is used to getting some local crop, and then all of a sudden it's not subsidized anymore, and they have to import it? I mean, obviously, like, I mean, obviously there were changes would have to be made. I just I look at it from from such a you know someone who's again a, a, a nutrition and diet and and seeing what 
what ingredients, what foods are good for the human body. I'm like, ah, I feel like we could. Oh, maybe so you're some saying changes. maybe the government should just subsidize the healthy stuff, huh? Yeah, I mean, I'm, not, I'm sure that I'm sure it's not as simple as that. I'm sure there's other like maybe they don't make as much money or I, I'm, but I don't know why. Like, why why is wheat or why is you know soy, which again I think are not the greatest things we could be eating. You know, why are those subsidized? Why are those getting even more market share? And, and I mean, look at you go to a store, there's a whole aisle dedicated to bread. Yeah. You know, and that's because we subsidize wheat and because it's, what if we, yeah, what if we subsidize broccoli? You know, what if there was less bread and more, people would be healthier. I mean. That's true. You know. I think uh, broccoli yeah. is much harder to grow. I think there's certain climates that only grow in. And that would be, yeah, that would so be a like different dynamic Corn you it. grow so many places. It's kind of like, I don't know. Probably takes bigger subsidies then to subsidize corn. It's more money. But. Yeah, there's a lot of moving parts with that, I'm sure. Yeah. Okay, well, let's let's. I mean, this, I feel like this is a perfect segue into your job because <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you work with cucumbers. So, I guess I kind of want to know the backstory though of how how you got to a point in your life where you work on cucumbers. Um. So when I was thirteen, fourteen years old, I got a summer job making corn pollinations. That um, is a very interesting summer job. Well, so I guess yeah. you should for our listeners. You know, you're from Minnesota. I am from say, right? you were born Wisconsin. In Minnesota? I was born in Wisconsin. Okay. I went to school in Minnesota, in Minneapolis, the University of Minnesota. Go Gophers! <laughs> uh, so I was gonna say for if any of Californians are listening to this and they're like, "You got a job doing," like I would never even comprehend. Like I don't. Oh, maybe maybe some Californians, maybe some parts of California would have jobs like that. But I feel like that's only a, that's a job that's more what a Minnesotan would have available to them. I guess you'd be surprised. I don't know. Sacramento's the farm to. Food, oh yeah, that's farm right. Farm to fork capital of the world, man. That's a good point. There's lots of ag jobs out here, and I think that's why I'm here. It's that the... is true. Yeah, I'm probably wrong on that. But no, you're right. There is a lot of ag jobs in Minnesota and in the Midwest in general. Lots of good ag schools out there too. Mm. But just lots of jobs here in the big California economy. Mm. But um, so wait, what was your job again? The your summer job? As a 13 and 14 year old, I got a summer job as a corn pollinator. You ever made corn pollinations before, Tim? I have not made. <laughs> have you ever made corn pollinations there, boy? <laughs> Tell me how to make a corn pollination. Well, you have the tassel on the top, which is where the male pollen is. It's the top of the corn plant. Okay. And then the ear, the part you eat, is the female part. Um, Interesting. So I'm eating yeah. the female part of the plant. Yeah. When I'm... Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> so first you'll have a bag. You'll put a bag over the ear. Um, and you put a bag over the tassel and then I guess depending on if you're making a self pollination or a cross pollination, uh, most of the time we were just making selfs cause they're basic and easy for 13 year olds to do. So where you just take the, you hit the bag a couple of times on the top of the corn plant and then you put it over the, the ear. You take the bag off the ear and put the bag so that was on the top. you switch the bags after you've shaken them and gotten some Pretty much. You're just taking there. the pollen from the male up top and putting it on the ear for the female and then you just wrap it around staple it pollinated and then you're on to the next corn plant interesting <laughs> and then i did but so like you go you show up in the mornings and you're just like bagging the ears you like see it you see a new ear developing you put a bag on it so first we'd walk around for like two hours in the morning just bagging little ears that emerged overnight and then we'd be bagging the 
anthers at the top for the next two hours. And then the last two hours of the day when it's hot and the pollen's flying, we'd be taking the bags down and putting them over the ears, making the pollinations. Now, if you, now if you didn't do that, if there wasn't man, like people manually, would would certain, like would it just the pollen not get from point A to point B? Well, it's different than just like your regular corn that's growing on a farm. It's like research. So this is like a breeder is making a self-pollination or a cross-pollination by design. Like corn pollen is transmitted by air. So it's just flying around in the field and it naturally gets pollinated, which is why we need to cover it up with bags before it is able to take in pollen. Because you don't want you don't, you want, don't want a different corn plant's yeah, pollen getting exactly. into. Yeah, exactly. You want to control what pollen's going on where. What happens if pollen from a different corn crop or a different, you know, the next the neighbor plant gets on the you know, cross or pollinates the You would have happens? a failed I mean, it would pollinate it would just you wouldn't have what you wanted like you would just get some genetic I don't, it wouldn't be the genetics you want so usually you're trying to like huh. so hmm. <clears throat> when you're making hybrid corn you take two inbred parents and you cross them together so inbred parents mean they are homozygous for every <laughs> getting a little science lesson right now I love it we are <laughs> Homozygous for every trait on the genome. So meaning, you remember Punnett squares when you were in high school? I do remember the Punnett squares, So yes. that means they would have either all big A's or all little A's for every trait. Okay. So then when you cross it with something else, it, it has this thing called heterosis, where the hybrid is much better than the inbreds because of the mixed genes. But... You're, so usually you're doing a self in order to get something that is like perfectly homozygous. So usually that takes like seven or eight selves. Um, I'm trying to explain this in a way <laughs> that I can understand. Where it can be understood. <laughs> I appreciate that. So you just like you're just making these self pollinations until it's fixed, until like I don't know. It's inbred. So is it it's is inbred? It, is this something where you're so after you bag the corn and then switch the bags, yeah, is your job done with that plant? Or do you have to keep doing that same process with the same plant again um, and again? No, you'd be done with that plant. Done with that plant. Yeah, you're on to the next one, on to the next field of thousands of plants. But... Oh, man. <laughs> Someone's got to do it, right? Yeah, it was a good job, though. <laughs> every, every teenager's got to pay their, you know, not to go too off topic here, we'll come back, but I, I always feel like, and again, I don't know how you feel about this, but like the whole minimum wage thing, you know, I'm thinking there's, there's ways around that for teenage farm workers, though. Oh, yeah? They how have so? like farm wages in Wisconsin. It was like way less than minimum wage. Oh, really? Yeah. For like, <laughs> for like kids. I don't know how that was legal, but. Oh, dang. I didn't know that. Wow. I usually got paid above minimum wage, but there was kids that got less for sure. Interesting. I guess my, my maybe the minimum wage thing, I. I think it's good that we have teenagers. Every teenager's got to pay their due, as yeah. far as the jobs you got to do in your teenager. At least they you know? should. Like that's why fast food places, you know, it's mostly teenagers because you got to pay your dues in the fast yeah. food industry. I paid my dues. I sure always you paid felt your dues, like I was you know? 
lucky to have this corn pollination job, so I didn't have to work in. I was gonna fast say food. that sounds way better. Yeah, than working and usually I would recruit Wendy's like all my friends to come do it too. So I had like a squad of like four buddies. We'd just be out there pollinating corn, throwing paper clips at each other all day. I would do that. I would. I would totally do that over. Like I worked at Little Caesars, and it was just the worst job ever. I hated it. Yeah. I only worked there for a couple months, but. I would have much rather been outside doing something like that. Yeah, and I usually didn't work during the school years. I would just grind all summer, work like eight-hour days at least, working like 40-hour weeks as a 13, 14-year-old. Then I'd have so much money to spend during the school year. You're like, all your friends are like still getting yeah. allowances from their parents, and you're just like showing up with like yeah. all the nice gear. Yeah, that's worked <laughs> out well for me. I've just always been a working guy just mm. ever since I was 13, making corn pollinations. But... I'll lead into how I, I guess I kind of just kept working on these research programs, so I switched over to onion breeding when I was like 16. So there's another um, farm that hits you up? or Yeah, because I could drive it. like tractors there, I could drive their trucks in the field, you know, it was just like a step up from what I was doing. Um, nice, okay. And you liked, you liked working with plants already. So it was the like, same right, company, yeah. really. It was just like, oh, you should do this one because they pay a little more, and you're older, you can drive the tractors in the field it was fun i got to learn how to drive tractors and trucks and pull trailers it was a lot of good good like hands-on experience hmm. um, onions are entirely pollinated by bees though so i'm getting back into the Ooh, bee yeah. topic bees very very vital i love my onions too yeah. so but i also learned how to raise bees so we would raise about 200 beehives throughout the summer that's sick. And so you're in the was, full getup? Oh, full yeah. Bee get up? Full getup. That's sick. And we would, like, just be moving. My favorite thing was one time we were short hives, so they make, like, these onion cages. I won't go too deep into onion cages, but basically it's just a structure to enclose the onions. So you put the bees inside, and then they pollinate the onions. But um, Oh, so you would almost – so you – I'm coming up to the onion plant. I want the bees to pollinate that, so I would, I would take the bees that are in some sort of container and then like just put it well, over the plant. Basically, so it... it's like a cage that surrounds hundreds of plants, and then you would have like a bunch of male onions and a bunch of female onions in the cage, maybe like a couple hundred of each. And then you would just put the beehive in the cage. It's like a screen-in tent, and the bees are just trapped in there and they're pollinating the onions. And then you take the tent, or how how do you get the bees back? You just or, or do you just go in there them? and no, we just take the hive out by hand. That's that was part of my job, just oh, moving these hives in they, and out. They just follow the hive, right? So they would just come. Yeah, to I mean, you lose you... some. You probably lose like fifty bees that just stay back behind that end up dying. But the lifespan of a bee is on uh, twenty six days, I believe. Oh snap! That's so interesting. And uh, yeah, I always found it fascinating. We actually had neighbors that had raised bees mm -hmm. and one day i guess their hive made a new queen yeah and so we they're like they're like go look outside and the queen had had obviously you can't can't the queen can't stay in that hive yeah otherwise they'd kill it right mm -hmm. so the queen goes and takes like a bunch of bees with sure. her and they just created like this a new hive. cocoon shape around our neighbor's tree and if you looked at it from a distance you would just think it's like a big pine cone or something like you wouldn't notice but the closer you got to it then you saw like the movement Probably the bees just too. surrounded yeah. this queen, and so they ended up like having to like suck up, use a vacuum, like suck it up, and I think they sold that hive to, to somebody the bee else. Guy probably who came to clean it up probably took it. Yeah, I was I found that was super fascinating. Um, this is close to what I was wanted to get into is 
one time we were short beehives, so we had like 200 cages. We only had 180 hives or something like that. So they sent us new queens. Like they just have like a bee guy where we deliver. They deliver the queens and the worker bees. So we ordered what a like job that we is. ordered like 20 <laughs> more queens. But to add the queen to a hive, first you have to like dig out the existing hive to find the original queen, because you don't want to add the new queen with the original queen so we'd first have to like dig through this hive trying to find the queen we'd separate the queen out and then add the other bee and then like create the new hive with those workers so you take so you take the queen from the from the hive and she would take bees with her you'd put her somewhere else yeah and then you would just stick a new the new queen in the new hive with the, and then she, would she pick up some of the original workers, or do all yeah. the original workers go? No, the original workers would stay. But you can't, like, add two queens at once. Like, you can't have two queens together at once, because they will, like... I don't know if they'll kill one queen, or the workers just won't go with the new queen. But you can't, like, just add... You don't want two queens in one hive, kind of what you were getting at. Like, hmm. the, the you don't want one queen to just fly away, either. Because then we lose the whole the whole hot. Mm. So like you want to separate the first queen out and then add the other the new queen. Oh man! And, then, was, and so you'd put the new queen with the new, and you put her in a new hive, or just she would make her own new hive. Um, kind of thing. either we could put it with the old hive after we remove the queen, or we just like take some workers from an existing hive and add it. But the problem is like you don't want to just take workers and accidentally bring the queen. You just, like, have to know where the queen is, you know? Because if you're just stealing workers from a different hive to add to this new queen, you might accidentally grab the queen. Is she pretty, like, hard to tell the difference between? Uh, I mean, you have to be looking close. You have to know what you're looking for. So I'd say, yeah, it's pretty difficult. I always, I always pictured her just being this big old fat, just giant you know? bee that just is chilling there, like, slaves get to work, you know? It's but... got, like, a little extra segment piece on its back that's about it it's just that's the a only little bit between that little and a bit longer yeah <sighs> that blows it's my a mind. little bit bigger but not like crazy <sighs> i'm kind of bummed like, by that. i'm kind of bummed by that like, i always picture the queen being i've spent cool. half hour digging through a hive trying to find the queen like, like where is this queen like i can't find it what that it's not like you just blows open mind. up the hive and you're like oh there it is no it's it's like it blends in a bit you can usually the best way mm. to find it is to just follow like the brood and like the fresh eggs it's like you can usually mm. see where the queen has recently laid eggs yeah that's uh, I, I i my mind is blown a little bit by that i'm disappointed because i thought i was always pictured the queen to be way cooler than that but <laughs> whatever gosh <laughs> Okay, so you got you're working on onions and also with bees because they kind of go hand in hand. Yeah, yeah. You got to kind of learn to be a bee person mm-hmm. to to work with plants. So then you're doing onions, and what happens next? Well, I worked there from probably 16 through high school, and then I went to school and I was like, well, what should I go to school for? And I was like, well, I kind of like what my jobs have been, so I guess I'll go for plant science and plant breeding. So that's what I did. I went to school for four years. And I majored in plant breeding and genetics at the University of Minnesota. Minnesota. Minnesota, yeah. <laughs> it's basically Canada, eh? Um, 
so yeah, I got my degree there, and then I got hired as a cucumber research assistant in Davis, California. Now, was that the job you wanted, or were there other jobs you were trying to get? Um, I applied to a lot of jobs right out of school. I was I really did like the company I got hired by, though. I first interviewed in Florida for squash. <laughs> they flew me down to Immokalee, Florida. <laughs> they flew you down? Yeah. They, they gave you like the there? royal treatment, like like as if you were Peyton Manning going to come hey, sign with them. Yeah, you know, I deserve the royal treatment. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. a good time to throw in Tom Brady, though. He's the one that got oh, flown down to to Tampa, to, just to like Tampa, you. You yeah. and Tom Brady have something in common. Same, yeah, put us right on the same level. You probably also both probably eat cucumbers. You're probably right. <laughs> he probably is a big cucumber guy. <laughs> um, so yeah, I went down there. Interviewed for a squash position, squash research assistant. I didn't get that one. I was the runner-up. Mm. But the one of the executives or, yeah, we'll say executive, I was talking to at the company was a really nice guy named Bill. And he was like, would you be interested in interviewing for an open position we have in California and cucumbers? I was like, let's do it. So they brought me out here, and I did get that job. So that's how I ended up here. But I, I wasn't, like, targeting okay, this targeting specific here. one or cucumbers. No. It just happened to be that that's what was, like, hey, yeah, come do this here. And you're like, all right. Yeah. Cali. The company I work for is really known as being the favorite employer of many people in the industry. It's not always the best paying company, but it is, like, known for treating their work life well. balance and yeah mm. treating employees well good benefits See, I'd, I'd much rather have a job that f- is focused on the work life balance so many times i've had jobs where the employer is pretty much only driven to just try to make me work as much as possible and i'm basically a detriment to them if i'm not yeah and i'm thinking do you even care about my work life balance or do you even mm-hmm. care if i'm get burnt out here because you're i seeing your employees leave very early because they're getting burnt out because yeah. you're overworking them Maybe maybe if you focused on a more of a work life balance, you'd get longer sustaining employees. People to stick around. And you'd save yourself a lot of work in the long run, having to re-interview every you know few months or whatever. So, yeah, yeah. Especially like with are young people, and especially I'm in a salary position, and that's one thing I was really nervous about. Is like, oh yeah, once you're on salary, just, it's like, oh sweet. Well, it is sweet. Sixty-hour work weeks. Here yeah, we go. exactly, exactly. Like it feels good. Like oh, I got myself a big boy job, but I didn't know like. Are they gonna want me to work every Saturday? Like, luckily it hasn't been like that. But I, I, I'm sure you've heard of scenarios where people get hired right out of school and they get a job they don't like and they're working way too much and it's salary, but salary's not that good when you're working sixty hours. So yeah, it's not you got to find the right mm. right job. Yeah, because once once you're on salary, then it's like they can kind of abuse you a little bit. Yeah, exactly. I know. But I've been around there for two years, so I feel like I'm settling in. Maybe can abuse them a little bit, you know? Push back a little bit, you know? Maybe I'll come in a little bit later. <laughs> Show up later every day. Stop showing up at all. No. I have a question for you. Uh, if you could work on any plant. Thank you for listening to part one of my conversation with Noah. Part two of our conversation will be coming out Friday at 7 a.m., so make sure to check that out. In that one, we get into some really awesome discussions regarding 
genetically modified ingredients regarding organic farming, technology, the future, genetics, all sorts of awesome stuff. So make sure to check that out.